Hey, I'm Camille Joy, the host of the Moments of Joy podcast. This podcast is dedicated to super moms that don't always feel so super, trauma victims that need an example of how God can bring you through, and for those of you that are looking for a little joy, welcome to the show. I need the joy, the joy of the Lord in my heart. I need to make an exchange. Welcome to this episode of the Moments of Joy podcast. Moms, thank you so much for joining MVPs. (laughs) Welcome back to another episode. I am so thankful that you guys come back every week to receive moments of inspiration and encouragement. Mommy things, you know, it's, it's hard to be a mom sometimes, so sometimes we need community. Community is very important um, so that we don't feel like we're alone. Um, community helps you to grow with people. Um, and just really, especially mom communities are important because sometimes we can be lost in just talking to little people. <laughs> so thank you for being a part of this community. Um, if you guys haven't heard, the Real Moms Club is available for everyone now. So you can join the over 41,000 women that have joined the club that I've created on the app Clubhouse, which is the Real Moms Club. It is still invite only but if you click the link in my bio on instagram um, you can join by just adding that link so we hope that you are um, able to do that and joined this week on the podcast i am excited about who i will interview her name is carissa harrison she's a dear friend of mine and i was just so blessed by her story and getting to know her over the past few months that I said I have to have her on the podcast. She is a mom. She is a former pastor who has turned Enneagram coach and she helps you to plan for your personal and spiritual growth as well as teaching you about Enneagram. And I absolutely love her and everything that she's about. She's here to give some tips to moms about being kind to yourself and all the other things that we talk about, mommy things. And so I think you're really going to like this episode. Without further ado, we're going to get right into it. I'm so excited to have with us today my new friend, Carissa Harrison. Carissa, welcome to the Moments of Joy podcast. Thank you, Camille. It's such a pleasure to be with you and to get to see your face as I listen to you. Yes, see, um, I met Carissa on this wonderful app that I've been telling you guys about over and over called Clubhouse. And in Clubhouse, we met in a group for Christian podcasters. So um, I'm just so thrilled to have you on the show today, Carissa. Oh, it's my pleasure, Camille. I love the way you show up in the world, my friend. You always bring joy and encouragement and wisdom whenever you're in a room. And so it's so fun to get to spend some time with you. Yes, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You know, um, as much as I've been through, I believe that joy is what will keep us and keep us 
um, you know, moving forward amongst many other things, but joy is one of them. <laughs> and so I want to um, just have you introduce yourself to the listeners. Who are you? Where are you from? And yeah. Awesome. So I am living in Southern California in a city called Marietta. And I'm a mom of three. I have a 10-year-old and an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. And we've been distance learning since March, which has been way more chaos than I ever anticipated was possible. But we're making the best of it. And I was a pastor for the last uh, 15 years and recently transitioned. And now I am a certified Enneagram coach and leadership consultant. And I'm working a lot one-on-one -on -one with clients as well as with teams. And so lots of changes in my life in the last year. Yeah, I have lots of questions about that change. <laughs> I wonder how, how, difficult it was or how easy it was but I guess we'll get to that in a little while <laughs> <laughs> so you have an interesting story and one um of truly overcoming that I wanted you to come on the podcast and share you know just how you grew up and then we'll get into how you were over to, able to overcome um so can you share with us a little bit about how you grew up Yes. So I grew up in a little bit of a nightmare kind of home. I was born in San Diego, but I was actually raised in Alabama. And when you think of a dysfunctional home, I think I checked off all of the boxes. So there was poverty, there was abuse of all kinds, there was addiction. There really was not a safe space for me when I was a little girl growing up. In fact, the only safe space for me was school. And so I have thought several times in the last year that if I was growing up during COVID, I'm not sure I would have survived because school and my teachers were one of the only safe places that I had when I was a little girl when I was growing up. And so when I was 15 though, I was invited to church and in that moment, God radically changed and transformed my life. He didn't fix it overnight, but it really began my process and journey of moving towards healing and wholeness and transformation. I'm still on that journey. I don't know that we ever arrive, but I got to tell you, if, if that moment in time had not happened, I would be living a completely different life today. I was diagnosed with PTSD a few years ago, which was a tough season for me to just acknowledge that there was a mental illness that I needed to face and heal from and really just have leaned into what does it look like to heal? What does it look like to overcome and be gracious to myself in the process? And so I've come a long way. Healing is absolutely possible for all of us, no matter what our stories are. I know you'll have people listening whose story is incredibly worse than what I experienced. Uh, healing is possible for them. You'll have some listeners who will be thinking, you know, their story isn't as bad as mine. And so, you know, what do they have to complain about? And to them, I would say, your suffering and your pain matters that no matter what you've been through, no matter how severe you think it is or is not, it matters and it matters to God. That's good. That part is really good. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't we tend to compare? We do all the time. It happens in almost every conversation um, that, that I have with women and I start talking about my son and they're like, oh, well, my problems are little. No, your problems mm-hmm. are not little. You matter mm-hmm. too. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. That is really good. Um, so I was writing down so that I don't lose my thought while you are sharing your wonderful story and all that you had to say. But I wanted to bring up that school was the only safe place because I'm seeing that on the news over and over again that children are losing that safe place to um, to have as a safe haven from home. So while you were in this safe haven, did anyone even have any idea about what was going on at home? You know, what was interesting, Camille, is I, I got really good at hiding it. I got really good at pretending and performing and making it look like my life was just fine. In fact, I had fooled uh, even social services for quite some time and had lied about what was happening at home. I was the oldest of three and I knew that if things blew up, we would be separated. And eventually that happened when I was 17, social services actually did step in and all three of us were separated. My brother and I wound up moving to California to live with our biological father. Uh, My sister with a different dad wound up in the system for a small amount of time. And so while that wasn't my choice, it wasn't what I wanted, it wasn't even what I had planned, um, you know, God used it and um, everything worked out, I think, as well as it could have. But for quite a while, I kept it hidden and under wraps, more just because I thought that was what I needed to do to survive. And then as I got older and things got worse and it became more difficult, there were a few trusted mentors in my life that I did confide in and reached out to for support and for help because there just came a point when I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to hold it all together on my own anymore. And what was that shift like moving from your mom's and now to your dad's um, did, did, How did that affect even your relationship with Christ? Because then you begin to know him two years prior. Um, So what was that like for you? Well, it was a major culture shock. So I went from living in this small town in Alabama, you know, worried about where my next meal was going to come from or if I could pay the electricity bill to living in Southern California and attending one of the wealthiest high schools in San Diego County. And so, I mean, it was just, it was a shock. You know, I I ate lunch by myself my senior year for quite some time. Um, So it just wasn't what I expected. It was lonely. But at the same time, um, I think what I learned to do in that space was to connect with God on a personal level. You know, it took me a while to find a church. It took me a while to create new community and to build those relationships that doesn't happen to us overnight. But then what wound up happening is I was able to lean in to my relationship with God and really build uh, that foundation further than what I had already had. I think uh, emotionally, I just love to hear people's 
stories because the beautiful person that I met that I'm looking at in this screen, you just never would think that you would have had to endure something like that in your childhood, in your young adult years. So if I was there, I'd be giving you a hug now. It's just so <laughs> wonderful to see just the grace of God on your life now that Yep, what you went through, you went through it, but it wasn't something that the enemy could use to destroy you at all. Mm -hmm. Yet, um, God still allowed you to go through a process of healing. So did you, did you end up going to college? Um, and if so, what, was, what were your young adult years like in, in overcoming um, that little girl? And, you know, especially being the oldest, you carried um, probably a lot of that weight. Yeah. So I think for me, I leaned into healing quickly. So I knew at 21 was the first time I decided to go to therapy and get some help. And I was finishing up my last year of college at the time I went to Biola University and majored in organizational leadership, was planning to go into full-time ministry. Um, but I also knew that I wasn't okay. I knew that I knew that the childhood that I had, that the circumstances that I grew up in, that there was going to be major baggage that came along with those experiences. At 21, I couldn't fully understand at the time what that was going to look like and how that would play out over the course of my life. But I leaned into help and I found a counselor and I found someone who was willing to charge me on a sliding scale because I was a college student and I was working as a waitress at a restaurant and I couldn't afford to pay top dollar for a great therapist. But we can find ones who are willing to work with us financially. And that was one of the best investments I made in myself that helped, I think, to get me to a healthy space before I chose my spouse, before I got married and we started a family. And then what's important to say is that I went back to therapy a second time when I was having panic attacks and I couldn't figure out where those were coming from. That led to a PTSD diagnosis and then went back a third time because there was more stuff from my childhood that was impacting my present life. And to be honest with you, I'll probably wind up in therapy again at some point because we just need help. Yeah. We, we, can't, we can't do this healing thing on our own. And God asks us to partner with him in the process. He doesn't do all the work for us. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Uh, we talk about therapy a lot on this show because I think growing up and um, culturally, we just don't respect the art and the beauty of therapy and it can be just labeled for crazy people but it is not it is help it's help and and we should take care of our mental health just like we would our body and our physical health and it's so important um so i'm glad that you dived into that early on and you're right um i'm in and out of therapy my children are in therapy because i love it you know, and, and when I'm out too long, I'm like, oh, I feel like I need, I need a tune up, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm learning that that is, a, you know, a beautiful thing and, and a, a vital part of my life and my self-care just as long as I need it to be, you know, yep. yeah, we are overcome 
Yep, by the blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony. Yes, we need Jesus, but he's also given us help here on this earth Mm -hmm. to receive (laughs) in the form of mental health doctors. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep, so that is beautiful. And so you went on and then you got married. You had children. And what was that like now, knowing how you grew up and becoming a mom? Did it cause you to um, shelter them a little more? Or what kinds of things do you think that you had to deal with in becoming a mom? The first thing that comes to mind is I was terrified, Camille. I was terrified to become a mom because I didn't have a picture in my mind of how to do it in a way that was healthy. All I had was unhealthy patterns. All I had was generational pieces that I knew I didn't want to repeat, but I didn't know if I was going to be able to stop the cycles. And so I was terrified. Um, That would be the first thing. And then I think I just leaned into my relationship with the Lord and leaned into my community of people. And I leaned into the help and the resources that God provided along the way. Things like therapy, things like groups at church, mom's groups and small groups and community of people so that I knew that I wasn't alone. I asked for help when I needed it. And I have needed a lot of help along the way. Um, I would have needed help even if I didn't have the story that I had, because we as moms, we we just need help. We can't do it all. That's right. And there were, there have been triggers along the way as my, you know, with trauma, what happens is as our kids hit the age when some of our trauma occurred, it triggers us, which was part of what led to uh, the PTSD diagnosis a few years ago. And so for me to be able to acknowledge what was happening and to share with people in my life that I trusted And then to get the help that I needed was a really important part of my own process and journey towards healing. And I think when I was going through it, Camille, the one thing that I wanted to know was, was I going to be okay? Right. I wanted to know, was healing possible? Because I didn't know at the time anyone else with my story. I didn't know at the time anyone else that was on the other end of the experiences that I had had. And I could just remember saying to someone in my life, I just wish there was another woman who could tell me that she knew my experience and that she had experienced the healing that I was working for. And what I'm honored to be able to do now is to be that person for some people and to be able to say to them, it won't be this hard forever. Healing is possible. God can do abundantly above more than you could ever ask or imagine with whatever broken pieces you're bringing to him. And where you are today is not where you will be in a few months or in a year if you just lean into and embrace the process. So I just want to stop right there and give God glory. That was so good. That was so good. That's just what kind of God he is. Um, and I, and I think the beauty in you sharing that diagnosis is that you were a pastor and this was happening to you, right? Yeah. 
a leader, <laughs> a pastor leading other pastors, a pastor preaching on the weekend going, my life is falling apart and I am clinging to my relationship with God right now and needing him to show up and do an incredible work in my life. Camille, my life does not make sense on paper. I should not have the marriage that I have, the career that I have, the kids that I have, the friendships. I should be a hot mess. Like, like a statistic. I should be a statistic. Yeah. And it is only by the grace of God and a willingness to continue to just say, what, what else, God? What's next, God? Mm -hmm. um, here I am, God. Take the mess mm -hmm. and I'll do my part. I'll lean into the process. I'll lean into the healing. I'll trust you. And somehow here I am. Here you are. Here you are. And still showing up and, and receiving that healing over and over again. And so you made the decision to go after that healing and, and stop pastoring. So they actually weren't connected. So okay. the healing happened before I resigned. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So I would say the last couple of years really was able to experience good breakthrough. And and what I will share for anybody who's listening, who's experiencing the depths of depression or anxiety or, or just really tough stuff is it's hard. It is, it's not easy. And, and I don't want to make it look easier than it was. Uh, there were moments when I wasn't sure I was going to make it. I wasn't sure if I would ever have joy again or be okay again. But God was present and loving and gracious even when I couldn't see my way through, even when I wasn't sure if there was hope again and pastored my way through it and showed up with as much vulnerability as I possibly could and, and held on to my integrity and, and tried to really preach from a place of, I can stand here and I can say this because I believe it in this moment and tried to stay away from the stuff that I wasn't so sure about in that moment. And really leaving ministry this last year was a step of faith. I'm not sure what God is doing with me in this next season, which is really difficult for someone who's always been goal oriented and a planner and have known, you know, what my next things are. I always thought I would be a pastor. I thought I would be leading a church for the next 30 years of my career. And when God began to kind of shift and change things for me last year, uh, the invitation was to release that and to let go and to trust God with whatever is next. And I still don't know what that is. I don't know what I'm going to be doing in five years when I grow up. <laughs> yes, yes. But Camille, God has been so faithful to me every step of the way. Mm -hmm. And so it made sense to go, okay, God, I'm just going to keep saying yes. Yes. And I'll trust you in this season too. And mm -hmm. So here I am. I'm in the middle of it. I have no idea how it ends. I have no idea what God does or how he shows up. Yeah. But here I am. Yeah. Here you are showing up, showing up beautifully and strong. And because you show up, hello, I met you. <laughs> so I'm honored to have met you during this place of, um, Faith walking and trusting God on that level is something similar to what I'm doing here. God calling us completely 
across the country and then into this scary place of full-time entrepreneurship. So I totally feel you on, on the yes that you are giving to God and trusting him because we know that ultimately Jeremiah 29 and 11 is the favorite scripture of my whole family here in our house. And it is that we know the plans. Um, he knows the plans he has for us, right? And his plan to, plans to prosper us and give us a hope in the future and not to harm us. So in that, mm -hmm. we can trust that he's going to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Mm -hmm. it, that doesn't mean it's not scary at times, right? <laughs> or really hard or, you know, uncertain, you know, it just, that's why we call it trust. It's, yeah. it's not an easy thing, but it is a muscle that we develop. It's something that, you know, I don't think God calls us to do something that's way outside of our comfort zone. Yeah. Um, it's just one step at a time. And what's the next step? What's the next yes? at least that's been my experience. I don't think God works the same way in everyone's life, but I do know that what it looks like for me to trust God in this season um, has built upon what it has looked like to trust God in the past. Yeah, that's awesome. That just gave me the title of this episode. So we'll title mm. it, Give God Your Yes. <laughs> mm, I like that. Mm-hmm. All right. So today you are an Enneagram coach. Yeah. Yeah. So I was very interested in hearing a, a little bit more about that. Can you tell us about what it really is and why, um, you know, that's such the talk of talk of town now? Yeah, I would love to. So it is all of a sudden this trending topic, but it's an ancient wisdom that helps us to understand our personality. And so it's not associated with any specific religion. Uh, it's basically a neutral tool that we use to understand someone's personality framework. And what makes the Enneagram different from Myers-Briggs or DISC or Strength Finder is it doesn't only describe our behaviors, but it actually helps us to understand our internal motivations, the core fears and core desires that are driving our thoughts and feelings and behaviors. So it's kind of like if we go to the doctor with a headache, that's a symptom, right? And he can give us Tylenol to treat the symptom, but what we really want is to get to the root cause of the symptom. That's the way the Enneagram works. The personality traits, the behaviors, the thoughts, the feelings, those are symptoms. It's getting to the root of what's the core motivation that's driving the thoughts, the feelings, and the behaviors. Because if we can get to that core motivation, and if we can invite God into that space and allow him to heal and transform, that's where incredible change happens. And I really believe that Part of the Enneagram work, the process that I lead people through, helps them to uncover the part of them that Paul talks about in the New Testament, where he describes the, the true self, the part of us that's hidden with Christ and God, and he contrasts it with the false self. Um, the Enneagram helps us to get rid of all the false self habits so that we can uncover the true self, the part of us that's hidden with Christ and God. And so it's, 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 it's a tool, just like anything else, 
So it's not the gospel and it's not, it's not Jesus. It's not the truth, Absolutely. but it's a tool that can be used for our personal and spiritual growth. And I started using it seven years ago and it, other than therapy is probably the next best thing I've experienced for my own growth and for the growth of my teams and the people around me. And so that was why I decided to begin to get certified, to use it, to teach, to train with it, because I want to be a part of helping people experience that kind of personal and spiritual growth in their life. That would also help you in building relationships, right? Because then you would understand who you best uh, would would match with or not 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 in a dating relationship, but even in like a friendship relationship, a working relationship. Yeah, absolutely. So I walk clients through kind of a three-phase process. The first phase is self-awareness. We can't change what we can't see about ourselves. And so we really do a deep dive and an understanding of our Enneagram type. And there's nine types, nine different ways that we see the world. And when we understand ourselves, then we can move into the second phase, which is self-management, where we, we stop operating in autopilot, where we're just unconsciously making decisions and reacting in the moment, and we can choose to respond. We can choose to do something healthier. We can choose something different. And then the third phase is what you're talking about. It's the social awareness piece, where all of a sudden we go, wait a second, you mean Camille doesn't see the world the same way that I do? You mean my husband doesn't see the world the same way that I do? And that's where we can begin to work on communication and conflict and compassion. It gives us grace for the people around us. It's incredibly powerful. Wow, that's amazing. It really is. I think I want to find out what what Enneagram type I am. (laughs) So how can people contact you? And after they come to you, do you, um, you would give them the test and then how, how does your coaching work? How does that come into play? Yeah. So what I encourage people to do is try to stay away from the online Enneagram tests because they're not super accurate and they can actually be a bit confusing. So when someone's trying to figure out their Enneagram type, I never type someone. And the reason for that is I don't know what your internal motivations are. I can help describe your behaviors and your personality, but think about perfectionism. All nine types can actually lean into perfectionism in different ways, but what's driving the perfectionism? Is it the need to please people because you want them to love you? Is it the need to make sure everything is good and it's not wrong? Is it the need to be successful and avoid failure at all costs? Well, those are different internal motivations. And so what, what I encourage my clients to do, they can download a free Enneagram guide on my uh, Instagram bio or on my website and read through all nine types and their core motivations. And then from there, what I do as a coach is I ask questions to help them identify what their Enneagram type is. And then from there, the first phase of coaching is six weeks and you can do that one-on-one, you can do that in a group setting, but we really help you understand your Enneagram type. What are the blind spots to that type? What does that type look like when they're healthy and they're growing? What does that type look like when they're in stress? 
Every Enneagram type has an internal message that's been playing in their mind their entire life. We identify that message and then we do some work around taking that thought captive in obedience to Christ and beginning to change the neural pathways in their brain. So much of it as well uh, moves into this space of spiritual direction and creating space to encounter God and to hear from him and to listen. And so anyways, it's a beautiful process, but uh, it starts with really understanding your type and then learning to develop self-awareness. And how is that showing up in your relationships? How is it showing up in your business or your professional life? And for you personally. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. That is really great, Carissa. Thank you so much for all of this today. This was amazing. This conversation was so enriching. And I want you to um, share with the women listening or the men, whoever. (laughs) There are some men that listen to the podcast. How can they find you? How can they um, connect with you? Oh, I would love that. So my website is my name. It's carissaharrison.com. And so that's uh, one R and two S's in Carissa and two R's and one S in Harrison. I always have to think about it. And I spend a lot of time on Instagram and a lot of time over in Clubhouse with you. And yeah, so I would love to connect. And I'm my DMs are open. So people are welcome to send me a DM on Instagram. Awesome. And I will link all of your information in the description of the show so people can just click on it from there. So thank you so much um, for joining us today. Really quick, before we close, are there any last words of encouragement for the mamas that you would like to drop today? Yes, I think I just want them to know that they're not alone, that their story matters, and that part of healing is asking for help. It's reaching out and it's asking for help and support, whatever that looks like. It might be therapy, it might be medication, it might be a small group, it might be coaching, it might be just telling your girlfriend that you need to grab coffee this week, but we we can't do it alone. And so it's acknowledging that we need help, which is scary and hard, and then reaching out and getting the help. It's really good. Carissa, thank you so much for joining us today on the Moments of Joy podcast. And I look forward to connecting with you on Instagram and in Clubhouse. (laughs) So I'll see you again soon, my sister. Thank you, Camille. It's been a pleasure. Alrighty. God bless.